This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. In this episode, we look at The Book of Forgotten Authors by Christopher Fowler. I've been immersed in the world of Harry Potter and we discussed the pros and cons of audiobooks. But first, the book that is the talk of the publishing industry and amateur reading enthusiasts like ourselves. It's called Boy Swallows Universe by Trent Dalton. He gave me another block of paper for my 14th birthday, along with a copy of The Sound and the Fury, because he noticed that my shoulders were broadening and he said any young man needs broad shoulders to read Faulkner. It's on one of those pieces of A4 paper that I write my list of possible occupations within bike riding distance that would provide enough money for August and me to save for a deposit on a house in the Gap, in Brisbane's lush western suburbs which Mum can move into upon her release. Chip Fryer at the Big Rooster Takeaway restaurant on Barrett Street, Shelf Stacker at the food store grocery shop on Barrett Street, with the frozen food section that August and I hang out in on the hottest summer days, debating which ice block is more bite for your buck, out of a have a heart, a bubble bill, and the unchallengeable masterpiece, the banana paddle pop. Paperboy for the mad Russians who own the Barrett Street news agency. Bakery assistant for the bakery next door to the news agency. Cleaning out old Bill Ogden's pigeon loft on Playford Street. Last resort. I give this some more thought, tapping my blue kilometrico pen on the paper, and I scribble one more potential occupation, drawing on my limited skill set. Drug dealer. Voice Swallows Universe by Trent Dalton. This book has been described as devastating, beautiful, enthralling, heartbreaking, joyous, and exhilarating. Natasha, did you love this? I loved it. I loved it. I love it so much. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Please a, read it. <laughs> it's a great title, Boy Swallows Universe. But what does the title mean? What does it allude to? Yeah, um, the answer to that is kind of not straightforward. And um, there are just so many kind of different threads that this book is woven together out of. And actually, it's a brilliant title. I'd love to know if he kind of knew in advance what it was going to be called or if this was kind of an afterthought because so there are a few threads partly one of the ways that it's told is that he you know the main character Eli who is um, a young boy when the uh, novel starts and kind of becomes a young man um, he and his brother uh, are in this quite uh, difficult situation. Um, There's is not a kind of idyllic childhood. There's a lot of quite disturbing things going on in their lives. Um, And one of the ways that he describes their lives is he kind of um, has this uh, third person way of talking about it, where he says, boy does this or boy does that, describing him or his brother. And so it's kind of playing into that. It's also um, at one point in the novel, uh, the narrator Eli tells us the story that his babysitter, who is an elderly ex-con and prison escapee, <laughs> Slim right. Halliday, who, in fact, is a real person. Um, right, wow. So there are so many <laughs> kind of elements to this. Um, but he tells them the story, uh, which is a story about Krishna, the uh, god in Hinduism, um, 
where he as a in the form of a small boy was seen to be kind of eating fruit and eating dirt and his mother was like stop show me what's in your mouth and when he opened his mouth he you see kind of the whole universe in his mouth because he's this god and not this boy so that's kind of relevant and then there's also that Eli really 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 wants to be a journalist um he wants to write for the courier mail someday and there's kind of an element of everything needs to come down to three-word headlines. Okay. And how do you sum up a story in a three-word headline? And that's right. So, Dalton, he, he actually he is a journalist, right? Well, actually, this been. whole book is, I mean, it's hard to say what exactly is autobiographical, but it's surprisingly autobiographical. This is his childhood. This is him as a child. Um, and he did grow up to become a journalist. Yeah, he works for The Australian. Okay. And where did he grow up? Uh, so in the suburbs of Brisbane, um, which mm. is where the book is set. So it's in kind of the gritty outer suburbs where there's a lot of kind of drugs and violence and um, poverty, um, alcoholism, domestic violence. Like just there are all these kind of terrible things going on in the world of these two brothers. But the thing about this novel, and this is what I loved so much about it, is that while that's all kind of told sort of quite realistically, it's also totally whimsical and beautiful and joyous and so it's it's in no way depressing. So if you kind of read about the situation that these boys are in um, with their, their dad left and, you know, their mum is with this guy who uh, is a drug dealer and, you know, she was addicted to drugs at some point and there's kind of a prison sentence and, you know, all these things that have gone on for them. His brother doesn't talk, hasn't spoken since they left their dad, um, so is mute and kind of communicates in other ways. It all sounds really grim and if you read about it in a social worker's report, you'd be like, oh, gosh, this is all terrible. But... It's not. Like they are leading these very full and um, joyful lives and it's told in a way that's really whimsical and magical. And so you just really enjoy reading it and hearing about their lives. And, you know, all these kind of the ex-con and the um, drug dealer stepdad and stuff, they're also these like heart of gold, wonderful, wise people. And so there's just not this sense of like, oh, trauma and despair at all, at all. It's actually a joy to read. So what kind of picture does this book paint of life in suburban Brisbane? Well, I guess that it's grim, that it can be grim. And, you know, this is set in the 80s and it's very Australian and very Queensland. Like it's very kind of localised and it revels in that detail. And I really enjoy that, that it's not actually – I feel like some Australian books you read, they're obviously – written with an eye on the international market and so they explain the Australian things mm. and I always feel a bit cheated by that. I'm like, Americans never explain American things. You know, British writers never explain British things. Yeah. Let them figure it out. Like yeah, they exactly. Could, you know. <laughs> so it has that very kind of authentic picture of like, you know, how the summer feels and what they eat and what they're watching, you know, sale of the century mm. on TV, all these things that if you are Australian and I imagine in particular if you're a Queenslander um, that you kind of – recognize it and you go that is what it's like but you know even though their lives are a bit grim in some ways they're also just these really special kids and the people around them are really distinct um, people with their own worth and their own dreams and even the kind of quite uh, horrible people in some ways uh, a lot of them 
you know, society might write them off as bad people, but they're loved and they love others. And, you know, there's just not this clear, like, here are the good guys and here are the bad guys Mm. kind of line. So it sounds like it's sort of just painting a picture of a particular person in a particular time and place. But what does all that lead to? What's it really building towards? Well, it's actually, and this is one of the things that um, you kind of go, how can this be autobiographical? Because it's so perfectly plotted. So even though it has this kind of gritty realism of like these drug dealers and these kids at school who are bullying and, you know, the kind of terrible things that happen, um, actually the whole plot is leading towards everything kind of being tied up in this fabulous bow and this really satisfying ending and everything kind of fitting in somewhere and having a purpose. Um, And so... Yeah, there's this real sense that even though their lives are really difficult in lots of ways and you're like, how is this going to work out in any way that will be good for them, you have this sense of actually things are going to get really good and mm. everyone's going to have a happy ending. Wow. Kind of. So I know that um, people are finding this book deeply touching. Why is it so moving? It's kind of hard to say. I mean, partly it's because it's such a delight to read, right? Like the writing is so clever and it's so funny. Um, and partly because Eli, the main character, is so likable. Um, and he and his brother are both really uh, clever, interesting kids in the midst of their trauma. Um, and, you know, even their dad, who's this very flawed character um, and who is kind of on the doll and spends all day, like he's kind of an alcoholic, and but he has a room that's just full of books that he's purchased at op shops, like literally full of books, not on shelves, like just piled up on the floor. The whole room is filled with books and he's read all of them. And when he watches Sale of the Century, he gets them all right because <laughs> wow. he knows all this random stuff. But he's, you know, this he lives in kind of um, – council housing and um so I think it's just these very kind of down and out people who were transfigured by something beautiful and human and um you know I keep coming back to that word joyful like it's a book that's full of joy and so I think you're just so on the side of Eli and all the people that he loves even arrayed against these forces of kind of you know the arch drug dealer the real villain of the piece um and how he's going to kind of try to destroy their family and so you know you have this kind of boy who's got really terrible male role models all around him mm. But some of those men who have made mistakes and who are, you know, criminals in various ways are like heart of gold people. And there's, you know, this fine line between like, how do you be a good man instead of a bad man? And he really wants to be a good man instead of a bad man Mm. and understand what that is. And so I think you just kind of really feel for him and are with him in that quest. Mm. Plus it's just really funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. Sounds great. So who would who should read it? Who would enjoy it? I think everybody should read it. And maybe especially Australians, I guess, because I mean I haven't read as much Australian fiction as I wish I had. So when something comes out and you go, This is just a wonderful, wonderful book that is so Australian without trying to be kind of about Australia. Yeah. I really want to kind of champion that book. Yeah, totally. I think I felt that way about Jasper Jones. I just, when I read it, I just thought, I know this country town. This is where I grew up. You know, it could just be any country town in Australia. That's so. another one I should read. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't read that? No, I know. Sorry. Oh, you sorry, should add that sorry. to your list of yeah. shame. <laughs> I will. <laughs> 
All right, so our next read is something a little more obscure, but which I think will be a fun pick for book lovers. The Book of Forgotten Authors by Christopher Fowler is a guide to 100 authors who perhaps aren't as well known as they should be. Natasha, what did you learn from this book that you didn't know before? Oh, so much. I mean, I learned about 100 authors, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Most of whom I'd never heard of before. Really? Most of them you hadn't heard of? Yeah, most of them completely, you know, not on my radar at all. But that was kind of... It was a really weird experience for me, actually, reading this book. It's delightfully written. I love – he's very funny, the way that he writes. And, um, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a romp. And each chapter is super short, obviously, because there are 100 authors to get through. Um, But I found it also quite unsettling because – because you thought you were on top of books, didn't you? And well, you thought you knew about books. And then you read this and you went, well, I don't you know anything. Well, you feel like I have this map in my head, you know, yeah. of kind of literary history. And obviously, like, you can't possibly know all the authors. But, you know, as time goes by, time should, you know, winnow out the really the very best books and the best authors. And therefore, you know the names of the authors who deserve to be remembered. Uh-huh. Um, and particularly, you know, because my background's like academically English literature. And so I feel like I've been taught about books. Uh-huh. I should know the names of people. At so least. why were you not told about these I ones? Know. And then so many of them, I'm reading <laughs> these chapters, and I'm like, this person sounds amazing. And I so <laughs> want to read this book. And how come I've never heard of it? And so just the distressing idea of how how many um, others could easy, be easy yeah about. how easy it is for an author to be forgotten even if they're excellent and therefore all these books that I might like never be encountering that would be my favorite books if I knew it. so <laughs> Natasha can you cherry pick a couple for us just pick sure, sure three sure, sure. maybe two okay, or three let's see how we go you want to tell us about okay um so one would be a guy called Pierre Bull um ever heard of him Pierre Pierre no Bull, he's French um, so he was a secret agent in World War II. So some of these people, their lives are even more interesting than their books. Yeah. Um, he was captured by Vichy France, um, loyalists on the Mekong River. He was forced into hard labor. He kept a diary on scraps of paper while being a prisoner of war. Um, and, you know, later was kind of poor in Paris and started writing up these scraps. So he wrote... Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, I I like that book. Uh, Well, you like the movie, right? And, you know... Um, yeah, I guess I haven't read Bridge Over the River Kwai. I've read Miracle on the River Kwai. Yeah, you're right. There you go. Mm. So he wrote that novel. Okay. Made into a very successful, yes. very influential movie. Um, he wrote Planet of the Apes. Mm. You know, again, these stories that are really well known, but nobody knows the who book. wrote them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, never heard of him. True. Um, another one, Pamela Branch. Ever heard of her? Never heard no. of her. Me neither. Um, this says she was born on her parents' tea estate in Ceylon, went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, married, learned Urdu, trekked to the Himalayas, trained racehorses and moved to a 12th century Greek monastery. As Sounds one like an does. interesting person. Yeah, yeah. And her books sound great too. So she kind of um, wrote these apparently bizarre, deliciously funny novels is what the author Christopher Fowler says. Um So he describes a book she wrote called The Wooden Overcoat, which is kind of P.G. Woodhouse meets the lady killers. He says, what happens when someone is murdered in a house full of murderers? 
The Asterisk Club in Chelsea provides a home for wrongfully acquitted felons, so when a corpse turns up in their midst, they at least know how to deal with it, except <laughs> they don't. So it's kind of these, like, romping murder <laughs> mysteries. sounds like a farce, yeah. Yeah. That sounds really fun, right? It does, like, yeah. Like, I totally want to read that book. So which ones have you added uh, to your to-read pile after reading this book? Well, this is the problem, is that – so the way that he picked – the you know forgotten authors he would include he had mm. a number of criteria and you know there were far more that he wanted to include um but one of the criteria was are they difficult to find is it hard to find their books another one was if you mention their name to you know ordinary readers but also to book agents and publishers and stuff do you get blank looks mm. and if so then it's a forgotten author so the problem is like he digs up these authors and you're like this sounds wonderful i am you know, Googling this book as I read. Um, but I can't get the books. They're all out of print. You know, these authors are forgotten. So it's often really quite hard, even a books, which, you know, usually comes through for me. Yeah. Um, so I've bought one, which is kind of like a history of um, uh, English cuisine, which touches on all this stuff that's not at all to do with food. And it just sounded delightful. <laughs> so I bought that. I haven't read it yet, but. You so know. it sounds like a book for book lovers? It's definitely that. And you enjoyed yes. it? I really, really did. <laughs> I really did. Okay, well, I'll add that to my to-read pile, The Book of Forgotten Authors by Christopher Fell, although it sounds like I might be a little bit frustrated after I've read it. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to talk about audiobooks, Natasha. Yes. Because I think in this kind of summer holiday period, uh, you know, I personally do a lot of driving. We go out and visit rallies in the country, and an audiobook, I think, is great fun while driving. But I understand that you have not been won over by the audiobook. No, I mean, I'm I'm willing to admit that it's probably my fault and it's probably a character flaw. But I just I don't think I can do it. I think it's that I'm a bad listener. <laughs> so the thing is and and I don't know like if you listen to an audiobook and you tune out at various points and you're like, "Oh, what's going on?" Okay, you know, I probably didn't I don't know where I um, stopped listening, so I can probably just follow along and it's fine. Have you read the book at but the end of that? Why would you tune out? Because you I don't do tune out when, when I'm listening reading. to things. <laughs> exactly. But see, I think the thing is you do tune out when you're reading things as well, but then you pause, right? Like, and you okay. go, oh, I've read this paragraph a few times and not taken it in. Okay, let's focus again. And I go back to it. Yeah, I do Whereas, that. I pause and, and like go back. And of course, yeah. you do that when you're listening as well, right? But yeah. if you're listening, it just keeps going without you. No, no, and you And so pause you don't it. know. Well, but you don't you realize that you're thinking about something else until it's already uh, been. So, okay, let me ask you when you have listened to an audiobook and you get to the end of it, are you like, tick, I've read that book? Yes, definitely. But if I loved the book, I would then pick up the actual paper book and oh, read that as well. So it's like a filter system. But, Natasha, I, I have a theory. Mm. I think this is your Hit pride. Me. I think <laughs> that you think reading an audiobook is not reading and therefore you won't do it. Look, that might be the case. <laughs> I'm not denying it outright. But it's pride and it's also shame in that I'm like, I'm just bad at listening. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I just think you can get through many more books than you can find time to read. Yeah, maybe. If you use that time while you're driving. So that's that's my idea. I just reckon I can get through more books and enjoy more of the books in the world. So Okay, so what do you recommend on or what kind of book 
makes a good oh, audio book. A fast-paced book, I think, okay. is better. Plot. So Jasper Jones, for example, mm-hmm. I read the book, absolutely loved it, and I read it in three days. But I have to confess, because it's more a book which uh, kind of lingers in moments, uh, on audiobook it goes a lot slower because, you know, it takes a lot mm. longer to speak a book out loud. Whereas I found like a book like Go on the Train, which I know you don't like. But, you know, <laughs> I don't. Yes, but because they had three different uh, first-person narrators, worked really well because they had three different voices on it, mm. and so I really felt immersed in that. I felt like I, and they were great actors, and I really felt like I was hearing their voices. Because the voice thing is another risk, right? Because if you don't like the voice, or if you're like, oh, that's not really how I pictured that, or like, you know. Some books just do not work as audio books. I just go, yeah. nah, turn it off, yeah. start again. Yeah. And the great thing is if you subscribe to Audible, you can just send it back and get yeah, another one. Okay. So that's enough about audio books. <laughs> Give it a try, Natasha. I've said my piece. I'll try. All right. So now it's my turn to pick a book. And this is a bit of a cheat because it's not kind of a new book. But as you know, I recently returned from a trip to the UK, which I did with three children and husband in tow. And that meant that I did not get to see all the usual, you know, literary UK things. We didn't get to go to the Globe's Theatre or Jane Austen's house or study anything literary <laughs> other than Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And so I went to Harry Potter Studios and because I was going to Harry Potter Studios, of course I had to be reading a Harry Potter book and I was reading at the time Goblet of Fire, mm-hmm, which is the mm-hmm. one with Classic. the... What's it called? Triwizard Tournament. Tournament. That's it. That's right. Um, and look, I, I should confess to you, Tash, I actually recently lost this book. Um, <laughs> and I remember I, I bumped into you once at a Harry Potter fan event. You had to drag your niece along. I hadn't dragged. She loves Harry Potter. No, I know, but... I, <laughs> But let's face it. We had come together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was theoretically an event for children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you took your niece so that you would have an excuse to go. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and if you remember at that event, they gave you a very special Harry Potter stamp from the UK, a fan stamp. Well, it was that book with a stamp in, and <gasps> I left that in a motel oh, no. in Gosford. And when I told my daughter, she burst into tears. Aww. So I fervently prayed that I would get the book back, and I'm pleased to say it has been found. But anyway, all that is just to say that I feel like after reading that book, I just feel more and more, um, I don't know, what's the word? I just feel enamoured of the whole Harry Potter thing. The Harry Potter studios was such an amazing experience, and I came away going, this truly is up there with the Lord of the Rings or, you know, other books that have just become, I don't know, so iconic and just reading again about these amazing characters and the friendships and the struggles that they face, I just thought, if you're an adult and you haven't actually read Harry Potter, because <laughs> I know there are a lot of adults who've seen the movies but haven't read the books, particularly people who weren't a kid when they came out, I would strongly recommend that you actually do make the time to yes, read. Yes, I would second that. Don't feel books. like, you know, that ship has sailed and there's no cash. No, no, you can always read Absolutely. And um, I have a another reason, a strong connection with Harry Potter, and that is um, that my first daughter was born on the exact day that J.K. Rowling finished 
the last book. The no. 11th of January, 2007. <laughs> it's hilarious that you know that. It's I not mean, like the day the book came out or anything. <laughs> you had to figure that out in, in retrospect, didn't you? Oh, well, she wrote it on a, on a hotel in Scotland where she finished it. This is where J.K. Rowling finished with the day. Oh, when I read it, I went, oh, it's the day I gave birth to my firstborn child. We're practically blood brothers Yeah, now. linked so, yeah. in a deep way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now I've got that off my chest. In this episode of the Hope Book Club, we have been talking about Voice Wallers Universe by Trent Bolton, The Book of Forgotten Authors by Christopher Fowler, and of course, I've been recommending that you sink your teeth into Harry Potter. Thanks for listening to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore because life is just better with a book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.